Welcome, a listener, to another episode of Bite Sized Virtue. We've turned the corner on the month of December 2019 is drawing to a close, and that means that for me and my family, at least, we are marking the liturgical season of Advent. And as you may recall, I've tried with diminishing success in recent years to progress through the two key liturgical seasons in my life, Advent and then also Lent and leading up to Easter, with a series of reflections in which I try and tie the eight virtues to real-world philosophical systems, comparing them against, you know, moral and ethical and philosophical teachings from, you know, predominantly Western cultures, so you're getting into your Judaism and Christianity and the like, but we have verged into a wider subject uh, or into a, a wider range of philosophies in the past, a little bit at any rate. This year, I thought I would go in a bit of a different direction because it occurs to me that, and this is something I'm kind of dealing with in my own life, and maybe I'll talk about that a little bit in this episode, but Advent is meant as a penitential season. Which is one of the reasons why in families that really try and mark and observe Advent, they tend to be the ones who will happily put up Christmas decorations once Christmas rolls around, because that's actually when the season of Christmas starts, is on Christmas. But in the lead up to that, they may take a more muted approach. And that's what we try and do in our family as well, because Advent's really meant as a time of preparation. You're preparing for the celebration of Christmas. And there's a lot that you really should do just in your own life to make yourself as ready for that great feast as possible. And this penitential idea is a central component of that, right? You know, because it's not just about, you know, preparing your house and preparing food and snacks and presents and all the rest. It's about preparing yourself, your mind, your heart, your soul for this yeah, for, in the Christian case, the coming of Jesus. And there's a lot of introspection that should go along with that. There's a lot of reflection that should go along with that. There's a lot of examination of conscience that should go along with that. And maybe even, you know, confession and repentance and that idea of, you know, just that penance. Advent emerged really out of the, uh, the same philosophical impetus as did the Lenten season. And that's actually why purple is one of the significant colors of Advent. Because, of course, you know, purple is a very royal color, um, but it's also become to be seen as a very penitential color because, you know, that traditionally it's, I think, kind of thought that, you know, like when Christ was being scourged and when the soldiers were mocking him, they adorned him in a in a robe, and probably a purple robe, right? You know, kind of meant to mock the concept of, of his deity and his royalty. I digress. So what I wanted to look at with this series of bite-sized virtue episodes, and, you know, hopefully, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to actually do like a, a longer recording that I can chop up into a few different episodes with one of the other Ultima Dragons here in the near future, but this is kind of an introduction to it. I'm hoping that I can look at the topic of penance and repentance and forgiveness within the eight virtues. Because I have to wonder, well, what that might look like, or if it can even exist. And the reason I say that last part is, you know, like I was struck some years ago by an interview with um, Jan Michael Straczynski. He's the 
you know, writer of, uh, among other things, Babylon 5 is probably his most well-known work, although he's worked on many, many other shows before and after that. Um, he's himself an atheist. And in one interview or another, he was talking about one episode of Babylon 5 in particular that he was writing. And it had a lot to do, I can't remember the episode title or what season it was in, but the episode itself had a lot to do with, you know, forgiveness. Some, one of the characters needing to forgive another of the characters for something they had done. And Straczynski himself noted that for him, forgiveness was like, that, that was the thing that he just, he, it was a thing he couldn't do, he said. You know, it was a thing that, it wasn't even a struggle for him. It was just not something that was in his wheelhouse. Um, you know, and, and he kind of pointed to, you know, his atheism and, you know, that philosophical background as a key in that. You know, he's like Christianity, you know, Judaism, you know, these religious systems, one of the key things in his mind that set them apart from his own belief system was that they did place a lot of emphasis on forgiveness, on being able to offer forgiveness to other people. Whereas, you know, within his own view, um, that was just not something that fit, right? Maybe even was an absurdity. And so, you know, he was talking about how writing the episode was something of a struggle for him. And I wanted to just examine that idea of forgiveness and whether it can exist within the context of the eight virtues. If you go against one of the eight virtues, if you're not compassionate, if you're not valorous, is there a way back? And what does that look like? To take one example that's, you know, fairly pop culturally relevant, of course, we have the new Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, coming out in a few weeks, two or three, I think. I'm going to say three, but it might be less by the time this episode actually goes live. And this isn't as extreme as in the JMS example, but, you know, I I was musing with Surgorn Dragon the other day about how as the, I don't know how to word this exactly, but, you know, as the philosophical underpinnings of the media we consume becomes progressively more secular in its nature, how a character is portrayed as being redeemed or redeemable seems to be shifting a little bit. And, you know, I'm thinking specifically of like Kylo Ren. He seems to be on a redemptive arc, kind of maybe. You sort of get that impression after The Force Awakens. You kind of get that impression in The Last Jedi, but he oscillates, right? You know, on the one hand, he kills Snoke, but then on the other hand, he assumes command of the First Order um, and is enraged at Luke Skywalker, although Luke Skywalker ultimately does humiliate him and show him up in a certain way. So he's very, con- and I mean, wonderfully portrayed. Adam Driver does an amazing job of portraying just that kind of conflict that is in all of us, you know, really when we're grappling with something that just, this is something I've encountered in my own life numerous times, you know, just some thing, some bad thing that is kind of consuming and you just, it, you can never you struggle to let go of it and you make some progress, but then it fights back, gets hold of you again. And then you make some progress and then it fights back and it gets hold of you again. And you see that struggle, that tension in Kylo. My concern, and I don't offer, this is not a spoiler. It's a speculation. If you don't want to listen, by all means, skip ahead about a minute or two. But you know, my speculation in all of this is that when we If we do see Kylo Ren redeemed and, you know, reclaim his identity as Ben Solo, 
he's probably going to die. Because that seems to be how the redemptive model works in storytelling now. You can have a character, even a detestable character, be redeemed, but they almost always pay for it with their life. And I suspect that if we see Kylo Ren become Ben Solo again, I suspect that if we see him abandon the First Order, abandon the dark side and turn back to the light, he's going to die. Because that's kind of the cultural mentality, you know? We're... <clears throat> that, that That's kind of about the limits of our forgiveness. It's like, well, okay, you can turn around, but... We're, we're less willing to forgive in total. We're less willing to forgive the totality of what someone has done. There's still that extreme price to be paid. And that's not been my experience of how forgiveness, even for terrible things, works, right? Because nobody, you know, forgives me for some of the horrible stuff I've done in my life and then kills me dead immediately thereafter, or puts me in a situation where I just inevitably have to sacrifice my life for the good of another. No, I have to live with that stuff that I've done. I have to live with the hurt that I've caused, with the harm that I have brought. I have to carry it with me through my days. Even though I know I've been forgiven for it, even though I've done penance for it, even though I've confessed that, you know, even though it has been absolved, there's still that lingering aspect of it that is my own memory. There is still that lingering aspect of it that is, you know, that sense of the depths to which I have sunk, the depths to which I have hurt others or brought others. And I don't get the easy out of dying heroically after the fact or dying at all. I carry that with me for the rest of my days. But we don't really see that in stories anymore. We're not, I don't think, if Kylo Ren is redeemed, we're not going to see him, you know, become this individual who proceeds forward into a new life head held high, but always just a little bit haunted by his past. You know, there is no future for Kylo because that's kind of where we are as a society. You see it in cancel culture too. Someone did something, even if it was like a decade ago, there's no forgiveness. They could be a completely different person from the person that they were a decade ago. They could have significantly reformed their views from what they held their views to be a decade ago but they can still be gone after. They can still be brought down. And there's no, there's not really a lot of forgiveness in that. Now, my hope in exploring forgiveness as it could possibly exist within the eight virtues is that we'll find overall that the eight virtues are a little more merciful than that. But honestly, I don't know. I've really got to start going through Ultima lore and you know, looking for examples of where people have, if people have, offended against the virtues. Have they come back from that? How could they come back from that? You know, that's kind of where I want this speculation, this discussion to go. And like I say, hopefully I can sit down with uh, one of the Ultima Dragons here who's got uh, a number of thoughts on this topic. Actually, we've discussed it on Discord a little bit. I think I can find some time to sit down with him and actually you know, record our thoughts and make a few episodes out of that. But for now, this is the first episode of Season 9 of Bite Size Virtue. Those are the thoughts that we're going to wander into the season with. And by all means, if you have any thoughts that you would like to contribute to this season of Bite Size Virtue, um, get in front of a microphone. Record your thoughts. You know, uh, if you really want like my full recommendations for it, here they are. Start the microphone recording, keep the room around you as silent as possible for about 10 seconds so that we can get some good background noise, and then record your thoughts. 
save it in an uncompressed format, FLAC or WAVE, and then um, come and find me on the Ultimate Dragons Discord and say, hey, you know, I have some thoughts. I've recorded them. Uh, can I send you a link? And we'll figure out how to get that to me. OneDrive, Dropbox, Google Drive. I can do just about any cloud sharing service imaginable. But I would love to hear your thoughts. If you have them, please do consider sharing them. And I will try and work them into future episodes in this season of Bite Size Virtue. For now, though, thank you for listening. And until next time, be virtuous. <laughs>